0: Hello, relatives. We are back with the Welfare Culture podcast. It's been a long time, and I am your co-host, Chelsea. Excited to be here again.
1: It's good ask, friends and relatives. Yes, just like Chelsea said, it's good to be back after a long hiatus of not recording on social media, but uh, I just wanted to, to give thanks uh, that you've joined us here and give thanks to all the Native people across uh, Turtle Island, across what is now known as the United States, the Western Hemisphere, even to our relatives, too. We have a lot of listeners from Hawaii, indigenous peoples there, uh, Maori relatives in New Zealand, and we have uh, lots of uh, listeners even from Australia. So I like to say hello to those indigenous peoples as well. And I want to take a moment, too, to give thanks uh, for this day. And you can think about this, too, as you hear this. But I want to give thanks for, of course, uh, all of creation that we're giving thanks for the higher consciousness that has created us all all living beings on earth we give thanks also for our Jivat, our mother earth here that provides a home for us all to live upon and i want to give thanks to the shudak water that we drank today and that we'll continue to drink and that we used to wash ourselves and give thanks to the sunlight that came up that brought blessings across the land this morning and give thanks to a grandfather fire nada that keeps us warm that cooks our food and give thanks to our our moon give thanks to all of the the uh the food that we're going to be eating today give thanks to all of the hydrocom the four legged on the land and all the heights the plans on the land and i just want to start off acknowledge that and acknowledge our our spiritual physical mental emotional health and just give thanks for what we have give thanks here for our little family and that we have an opportunity um, that we have to to share a little bit about our health and wellness journey, what little we know, right? Mm-hmm. So just wanted to say that much there.
0: All right, um, so as you all know, it's been about two years since we last published an episode and we just wanted to give you all a little bit of an update on what we've been up to. And before we do that, we should even reel it back a little bit. And if there's any new listeners out there, Mm -hmm. you're probably wondering who Dosh and I are. Why are we two people who talk about indigenous wellness? Um, well, I'm Chelsea Luger. I'm Lakota and Anishinaabe. My dad's side of the family is from Standing Rock. My mom's side is from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa, which is where I'm an enrolled tribal member. Um, I was born and raised in North Dakota, lived on the East Coast for a number of years and have been here in lovely Oatham territory, AKA Arizona for the last uh, eight years or so with my mm-hmm. husband and we have two kids. Um, so that's who I am and Thosh and I started our initiative called Well for Culture back in 2013. And if you wanna know more about our origin story, feel free to listen to episode one cause that will tell you a lot more about how we came into this mm-hmm. work of indigenous wellness.
1: Absolutely. It's been quite a bit of a journey for us. And for listeners that don't know me, uh, my name is Tosh. And Thosh means son in autumn And I'm from the Anakamira Autumn people, also known as the Salt River people. And our reservation where I grew up is right outside of uh, the city of Scottsdale in Phoenix. And we currently live just down the street from the reservation in the city of Tempe with uh, our two daughters, Weston and Aloe. Weston is one and Aloe is four. and. I also sit on the board of the Native Wellness Institute. I've been working with the Native Wellness for over 10 years. I sit on the land management board in Salt River for the past couple of years, just trying to participate in the community uh, politically. And so, but my passion here is, is helping to share this model of healing and health and wellness for our indigenous people. And all other people are certainly welcome to listen to what we have to share as well. And much of what we have to share can be Uh, learned and utilized in an appropriate way from people outside of our culture. But Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's a little bit about, um, you know, who we are for just for those listeners that are just tuning in and just finding out about our work.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, more to what we were doing over the past two years and why we haven't (laughs) um, published an episode. Well, we've been very busy. Um, Obviously everybody um dealt with the coronavirus pandemic, ourselves included. Um, we had a baby during okay. that time, our little Weston. She was born in December 2020. Um, and she's doing well. Uh, the kids are doing great. Um probably the thing that we were most occupied with career-wise was we are writing a book. We actually finished our book. Um, when I was about eight months pregnant with Weston, is when we signed our book deal with. Harper one, which is an imprint of Harper Collins, um, the whole process toward, um, (laughs) getting that in order and, and how that all happened Mm -hmm. was really, um, interesting and exciting and unexpected for us. We didn't, um, of course it's one of those things that, um, just really took us by surprise in a good way. And, Mm -hmm. um, We have been working so hard on that over the last two years, and it will be published on October 25th. Our book is called The Seven Circles, Indigenous Teachings for Living Well, and it will be available wherever books are sold on October 25th. And you can actually pre-order it now if you follow the link in our show notes or if you head to our Instagram bios or our website, you can find many different places Mm -hmm. where you can purchase our book from, and we really appreciate any pre-orders. We will also be offering an incentive to anybody who has already pre-ordered or who will. And a lot of people have asked me, where do we prefer that you buy it from? And mm-hmm. so I just want to let you all know that it's up totally up to you. We get the the book sales and everything goes to the same place as far as how it benefits us. So whatever you want to purchase, and if you even want to do a bulk order, like for your tribal community or, um, you know, your school or whatever it may be, just shoot us an email info at com, and we will connect you and get you a deal on a bulk order. So that's Mm -hmm. the long and the short of that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But it also should be said, Chelsea skipping this part in a little bit, this is a podcast certainly for another time, but you know, one of the first things I learned about her was that one of her main goals and her dream was to write a book. And now she has, she has accomplished that goal and dream. And that's a major feat. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's just inspiring and awesome because it's it's just not every day you get to witness someone manifest their dream and to carry that out, you know? And so this has just been such a, I guess a very meaningful process for us both. And there has been a lot of interesting things that happen for us as first time authors, which we'll talk about another time, but we have an awesome team at, at HarperCollins. And, we have a team who's doing advertising, who's doing marketing, you know, the editors, and we just have this awesome team behind us. And we just feel so secure and just um, we just feel so comfortable and secure and, and safe with this whole process. It's been it's been a lot of work, but it's it's also we know it's 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 about to pay off. It's very rewarding.
0: Mm hmm definitely rewarding, but also a lot of pressure for me, a lot of anxiety, you know, Um, but that's the balance. That's the balance of life. Mm -hmm. And um, and I accept that and I embrace it. And that's what keeps us moving forward. Um, and I should say Tosh hasn't just been a witness to all of this. He's been my companion Mm. in all of this. And one of the most beautiful things about the book is its design. It's a gorgeous book with full color photos. Thosh has been a photographer since long before the days of Instagram. He started shooting film when he was in art high school and, um, his photography is, is, is published throughout the book. And, um, so I'm really excited to share that with you all as well.
1: Yeah. And and for me, I never thought that. I never thought ever in this lifetime that I would be labeled as an author. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you went to school and you did journalism and writing. But man, myself, like, you know, writing was always so hard for me. But, you know, I, I started to develop more of a, a love for writing when I got with you. When I got mm-hmm. when I started working with you, you're the one that really inspired me more to you know, take up reading different material and to, and to start writing. And so I've become, you know, interested in that. I certainly look forward to, to more writing, you know, yeah. more books in the future. I'm, I'm really, you know, enjoying that process now.
0: Yeah. And you did a great job. You, you wrote really well. We share personal stories in the book. We share, mm-hmm. well, we'll tell you all about that yeah. another time, but you know, speaking of the pandemic, um, Oh, I also wanted to mention you guys in the last two years, um, Tosh turned forty. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I always tease him; I, he's an elder now. <laughs> and um, so we celebrated that. And uh, gosh, I just can't believe it. It's like every day that goes by, it's like we're real people. We're adults. We're parents. <laughs> we're this is the this is why we're doing wellness. You know, mm. healthy aging. We see ourselves as. 90, 100, 110 years old, and yeah. we want to live a long life. And mm-hmm. we see ourselves, even though we've been together almost a decade, we see ourselves in the very early part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. We see ourselves um, with so much growth and change that we need to, that's ahead of us. You know, we're just babies. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, uh, life is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And the elder thing is, is like a joking thing, because unfortunately, you know, in, in our communities, sometimes we don't see a lot of elders out in our community anymore or participating just because, again, of, of there's a lot of of health disparities, mm-hmm. and, you know, and so um, and that's why we do our work.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of the pandemic, something that happened with us and that happened with everybody is that our work shifted for as far as our consulting work, as far as our workshops What we used to do was for years, Thosh and I traveled all over Mm -hmm. native country and even outside of native country. And we offered workshops and keynotes and presentations and interactive events with people from all ages of small children up to elders. And we shared um, about indigenous wellness and we learned as much along the way. Well, that all shifted to digital during the pandemic. It shifted to Zoom. Mm. It shifted to yep. you know, uh, you know, whatever other video platforms are right. out there, and it was just interesting how hard that was emotionally. Right. And how different the energy right. was of those interactions and those events right. versus when we're in person. When you're in person, you're you're vibing, you're feeding yeah. off each other. You're really getting to know the audience, the people. Mm-hmm. Ah, digitally, you just can't make those yeah. connections.
1: Which is interesting because before pandemic, before the virtual era, we were already, we did do some, we did do some virtual trainings. And the whole purpose was to you know, reduce our eco footprint and save communities and organizations financial resources from having to have to bring us out and, you know, pay our fee and such. And so, you know, we thought we were doing certainly uh, being a little bit more economical in that sense. And But once the pandemic started, all of our work went virtual. We actually got busier than ever. And I think that people who weren't able to bring us out before for whatever reason to their community were able to do so now. So it seemed like we got a little bit more exposure during that time. But, you know, it was kind of refreshing not to have to like you know, saddle up and, you know, pack up the kids and, or the kid just one at the time and start traveling everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And traveling to rural places in native country and first nations communities in Canada, it was refreshing at first, but yeah, like you said, it was, it was hard. We had to really adjust our training style and find out how can we adapt what we do in person in a virtual setting and how can we keep people engaged? How can we keep people, you know, connected? And it was challenging. Um, and then now, you know, in the past year, we've been doing a little bit more in person trainings once again, but the virtual world is here to stay, and that has a lot to do with what we're discussing today in this podcast episode, right?
0: Right. What we also saw during the pandemic was a spike in the intensity of interactions on social media, yeah. a spike yeah. in social media use, um, the emergence of new platforms like TikTok. Right. I mean, uh <laughs> Tosh's brother Amson has a funny term called TikTok brain Mm -hmm. because he's saying now everything has to be so boom, boom, boom. You know, the text on screen, the person talking, the background images, very quick transitions. Like So all that is to say, today we want to talk about social media wellness. Mm -hmm. We wanna talk about how social media and the digital world impacts our health. We wanna talk about where this might be going in the future and the things that we need to do to prepare ourselves to maintain a healthy relationship to the digital world and to social media. And so that is what this episode is gonna be about today. And I wanna state right out front that um, we believe that this is about to be the biggest public health issue of our time. Maybe not the biggest, but among the biggest public Mm -hmm. health issues. Just as our parents' generation um, addressed smoking, And in the 90s, we saw the issue of teen pregnancy being addressed Mm -hmm. and environmentalism and all of these different. Okay, now is the time when we need to start taking control over our relationship to social media as well as that of our children and future generations. Because as Tosh said, it's not going anywhere anytime soon.
1: And, you know, why now is this a a current and urgent issue, you know?
0: So I think it's because we are, and anybody who's around our age is the first generation who has had to really deal with this. There's no pre-existing playbook or handbook. There's no long-term evidence on the impacts or the consequences of social media and the digital age on our health. Um, It's up to us to address this as a health concern. And I know that um, I, in in my childhood, there was no uh, social media. Mm-hmm. I remember when the internet came around. Mm-hmm. I remember when um, personal computers in your home became a thing, mm-hmm. and I remember <laughs> the evolution of all of that. And then by the time I graduated high school, that was the first year I had mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. And um, I don't know what what was your yeah. childhood memories of? Yeah, absolutely. Social media you know action? what I
1: mean. And this is why for us, if you. Are in your thirties at, at least in your thirties, then you have certainly lived a childhood where there was no social media. There was video games. There was video games for sure, um, but they just didn't seem as as prominent as they are today. So, for me, growing up, you know, we were outside playing. We were you know on the land doing stuff. We were you know being active. We were playing sports and such. And you know, video games came around. I remember that. I remember Nintendo, Sega came around, but we were certainly limited. You know, we were encouraged to be outside and. I didn't get on Facebook and we'll tell a little bit more about our personal journeys with the uh, virtual world and social media and the digital world and devices. But, you know, I didn't really get heavily involved in into social media until, uh, 2003. And, um, you know, I was in my early twenties then in college in San Francisco, but I, you know, I know what it's like to grow up without that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's why it's important for our generation Mm -hmm. to really bridge, you know, the knowledge that we have from our elders and, between them and the young generation who didn't grow up, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and we'll tell more as we get into this, Mm -hmm. we'll tell a little bit more um, about our personal history with the social media world. And before we get further into it too, we do want to acknowledge the benefits of social media and how, how much of a powerful tool it has been, especially for underrepresented voices around the world. And it, it certainly has played a role in mobilizing agendas and topics that range from, Environment, to technology, entertainment, and even social political ideals. And you know like we said, it, I think for me, the biggest thing is is seeing un- marginalized communities around the world able to amplify their voices about their social political struggles. For instance, in the Amazon, the indigenous people on the Amazon, you know, a lot of people do not know what's going, and we would not know what's happening if it wasn't for like YouTube. In social media, like Instagram, where they're on there sharing their struggles that they're they're experiencing with, like, the Brazilian government. That's just one example, right? And so I think that we can certainly acknowledge that social media has greatly contributed to society and has drastically changed our society today, you know, in both positive and negative ways. Right.
0: Yeah. And and I was just going to say, I think part of that, that's a huge part of the reason why in Indian country we are particularly active mm-hmm. on social media yeah. because it's been a long time that we've mm-hmm. waited to be able to connect with one another on our social socio-political issues mm-hmm. that we've waited to have our voices amplified in spaces where we have been previously shut out of. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's human nature. Everybody wants yeah. to be heard. Everybody wants right. to be seen. And, um, and we deserve a lot of that recognition. Um, but there's it's it's a double edged sword.
1: Certainly, it's been a huge catalyst even for our work in native country. Mm-hmm. For us, when we first started Well for Culture, we launched a social media account on Instagram, and that was around 2000. but I think 14 or 15. We we had been developing developing it before, but it was around 2015, I think, when we started launching it. And you know, Instagram helped to catapult you know, what we're doing. And from there in native country, you know, word of mouth, you know, is really, is still very much, you know, the way it operates. And mm-hmm. so people started bringing mm-hmm. us around, but social media certainly has allowed us to be able to share that. You know, when we first got on to, there wasn't a whole lot, there wasn't a whole lot of native people at all talking about anything having to do with like health and wellness and healing and such, you know? So, um, you know, we have to acknowledge that cert- social media certainly has, uh, contributed greatly to our society today and it's been a tool right it's mm-hmm. been a tool but like you always say that tool is can be utilized for, in a lot of different ways right
0: well it can be a tool can also be a weapon yeah. like a knife right you can use it as a tool you can use yeah. it as a weapon and that's how i see social media because yeah. um it can be a productive place but it can be a very dangerous place And we're talking about real consequences to people's health, particularly Mm -hmm. mental health and particularly youth. Mm -hmm. Now, um, let's talk about some of those reasons why social media can be harmful. It can, it, it can exacerbate anxiety and depression when we spend a lot of time on it. It is highly addictive. Those who create social media and digital platforms do just as those who create, um, uh, snack food, like Oreos or Cheetos, they make it addictive on purpose. Well, that's what they're doing in the offices of Meta, where they create Facebook and Instagram. It's intentionally made to be addictive. So that's why, um, we're having, we have trouble controlling our uh, amount of time that we spend on it. Um, in recent decades, we write about this in the book, over 50% of Americans report being chronically lonely. Now, that's obviously an inverse relationship to the rise in connection through social media. Mm-hmm. So what does that teach us? That teaches us that digital connection doesn't prevent us from being lonely. It's not the same no. as in-person connection. Yeah. And that's why we we have to um, actively make sure that we are maintaining our in-person, our mm-hmm. real-world lives. Yeah more than we are putting our energy toward these digital worlds that we are in.
1: And I think, you know, just from what I've seen on social media, I've seen real scenarios that illustrate that, such as one of my favorite fitness influencers that I follow, Michael Velasquez, has talks openly and regularly about his depression. And he's got like over a million followers, Mm -hmm. right? And people are like, oh, but you have us and you're doing great. You know, and he says, you know it doesn't matter you can still feel lonely and so i think that you know it's it's so critical for people to truly understand that that a virtual community isn't always best the best to supplement real life human connection mm-hmm. you know what i mean it doesn't always mean mm-hmm. that life is better and easier because you are popular in in that sense you know so mm-hmm. you know we see that we're cer- certainly seeing that throughout the social media community
0: absolutely and um You know, it speaks to just this irreplaceable energy of Mm -hmm. real life connection. And community is one of our seven circles of wellness that we write about in the book. And within that circle of community is family, relationships, and even um, the way that we interact online. And the thing is that we have um, ancestral teachings and ancestral values Mm -hmm. from our different nations that we haven't yet done the work of applying those to how do we do that in the digital space? Well, a little bit, but I think there's more work to be done in Mm -hmm. that area. And so we're going to talk about that in a little bit.
1: Absolutely. You know, of course, social media offers a virtual connection to the world, um, but it's also important to understand balance and harmony in in that relationship to to social media or Mm -hmm. connection to the world and it's important for us to really truly understand that our how involved we are with the virtual world and ideas floating around the virtual world can drastically change our perception our 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 perception of ourselves and others you know around the world and it's, it's so you know critical I, I actually believe that the rate at which technology and social media is growing is moving too fast for our biology to, to keep up. And, you know, we've already pointed to the growing body of scientific evidence that has, has uncovered the direct correlation between, you know, addiction and such with, you know, with uh, social media devices, electronic devices, and there's been studies that shown that you get a secretion of dopamine in the brain When you get like a notification, like a Mm -hmm. heart or a like, or a comment, you know, and that's just, to me, that's interesting, you know, and we, if we understand neurologically how the brain works and how all that works, you know, that when the brain receives uh, certain receptors in the brain become flooded with dopamine, the brain loves that. And it's a natural pain reliever. It's a natural, you know, reliever of anxiety. The brain wants it and it seeks out that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so we're just scrolling or we're just eating and eating or we're drinking and drinking or we're popping and popping, whatever it is, the vice is. I think it's so important for us to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I mean when I say that this, how the rate at which social media and technology is moving is a mismatch. It's one of the other aspects of our world where we're seeing it's a mismatch to mm-hmm. our to our biology, to us as human beings, you know. Right.
0: Well, it also impacts our ability to communicate in person, mm-hmm. and Tosh, I was I want you to tell that story of what you heard from um, a com- you know, a, a fellow community member mm-hmm. without giving any, any identifying information, but yeah. tell them what they were saying about their daughter, their yeah, teen daughter.
1: You know, really unfortunate story, you know, in my community, when the pandemic kind of, um, you know, slowed down a little bit and cases dropped, people started kind of gathering again. And, you know, I got with some of, uh, some family and other community members at an event, and they were just talking about their experience and how they dealt with that. And they casually mentioned, you know, one of their young relatives that they're taking care of. She's a teen girl. They said, she don't even know how to communicate no more. She don't even know how to talk. And I'm like, well, what do you mean she don't know how to talk? They're like, literally, when you talk to her and you ask her questions, when they do get her out of her room and away from her device, she just, they say she just mumbles and just says, mm. just, grunts. just grunts. She's like, mm, I don't know. Mm, guess, no, yeah. Mm. Like, just, it's like, you know, we kind of see that sort of response in a lot of our our, our our youth, you know, on the reservation that are struggling with things. But the way they described it was just, you know, you know, very to extreme. the max, very extreme and very, and very unfortunate. And it was an urgent matter amongst them for sure, you know, mm-hmm. that they knew that they needed to tend to her to pull her out of that, you know.
0: And that's why we're talking about this now. It's not at all to judge. No, We see this. It's not just on the res. Everywhere. Teenagers yeah. are and young people are forgetting how to communicate. You see toddlers as young as age one and a half addicted to these devices. You see 10-year-olds that have their own iPhones. Um, I remember even years ago, and and this is before um, social media is what it is today, I was on the subway in, in New York City when I was living there, and I remember I was struck by seeing this little girl reading a book mm-hmm. because I was I was so used to seeing every other kid on their parents' phone or on the mm-hmm. Kindle. And that's before the New York City subway yeah. even had Wi-Fi. So like, um, you know, these, isu- these issues are just growing and it's mm-hmm. all about now prevention. And mm-hmm. we're having this conversation not as people who are above it, but as right. people who are grappling with this in our day-to-day it. lives. Yeah. I believe that I'm addicted to my yeah. phone and to social media to a certain degree. Um, I believe that anybody who uses it is addicted to it Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. My email, even I'm addicted to that. So, um, so, so we're not above this, we're, we're in there with you. We're grappling every day with controlling screen time for our own kids, with controlling our own screen time. And with, again, uh, this concept of prevention Mm. Uh, and, and, and how do we make sure that our youth and our communities are maintaining a healthier relationship to these devices right
1: yeah absolutely you know i i want to echo those comments right there and i always say that if there's any sort of cognitive dissonance that i participate in it's it's like engaging with social media in the way that i do i'm very conscious you know when i'm doing things and i know when i'm sort of compromising too much or breaking my own my own rules you know what i mean with that mm-hmm. and we'll talk about more what our mm-hmm. personal You know, teachings are with social media and how Mm -hmm. we set the boundaries. But certainly, you know, we say this from a place of love and we're not judging or shaming. And we're Mm -hmm. not judging or shaming because we understand why there is addiction to these devices. We understand there's Mm -hmm. unwellness and healing is the answer to that. So that's why we're having these conversations
0: and for ourselves too. Mm -hmm. We're learning here as we go. And as with everything in health and wellness, this is systemic as much as it is individual choice. Um, probably more so in fact, because guess what, even if it's not at home, our kids are on devices at school and that's what schools are doing now. And, um, our work places are expecting us to be available on email way too much than they should be. And, um, you know, it goes on and on. So it's not just, it's not always a matter of choice. So in those areas where we can control it to some degree, I think that it's up to us to try and it's only for the benefit of our health. It's not about image. It's not about looks. It really is impacting our health. And, um, I want to talk about, because we always say, we always try to look at things from a mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional mm. perspective, right? Which is that medicine wheel structure that we understand um, informs our health. There are physical consequences yeah. to social media and, and digital addiction yeah. as much as there are mental and emotional health. And
1: spiritual, for and sure.
0: Spiritual. Yeah. And those physical consequences include... Um, first of all exacerbating the sedentary lifestyle yeah. which we which has already been an issue yeah. for decades right. but now it is just catapulted mm-hmm. with social media addiction um it, you know when you're scrolling your phone you're laying down you're seated you're stopped in yeah. one place yeah. and it's preventing us from getting out there and moving our bodies and being more physically active it is mm-hmm. giving us even more of a reason yeah. to sit at home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's something that they they casually call text neck, right? Mm-hmm. Which is your 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 chin is constantly sinking into your chest because your your neck is bent forward, and that creates a lot all, all sorts of complications with your alignment, with your spine, with with the 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 forward um, anterior or or the forward a posturing head that we see a lot that puts like stress on thoracic spine. And I know for me, I try to consciously be aware of that, right? I'm always mm-hmm. trying to sit up right and I'm trying, I'm trying not to text or scroll on my social media with my head down. I try to bring it up to my face at times to do that because I feel it. I mm-hmm. feel when my neck is starting to strain my traps and my, 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 uh, T spine and my mid back is like stiff, mm-hmm. you know? So we're certainly see, there's all sorts of things. there. Uh seated as we know, sedentary culture has implications for your cardiovascular health and, you know, uh, movement patterns, negative, uh, impact on our movement patterns. And, mm-hmm. you know, st- the stiffening of our hips, right? We're seated so much today that we are, everyone has stiff and immobile hips knees and ankles, so mm-hmm. we certainly see that in youth. I remember, you know, as a kid, we were always outside playing. People seem to be not, as a youth, we were always outside playing. We, we were never really experiencing much problem doing outdoor activities. But when we work with youth today, we see that. We see that there there could be much work done with their movement patterns, right? When we
0: do very basic you know, fitness and stuff like that, we see that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's why those of us who are millennials and who are a little bit older, honestly, it's a privilege that we um, didn't even realize we had to right. be raised without um, mobile phones and smartphones in yeah. this whole, whole social media era. Um, I, I feel honestly s- s worried for my daughters. I feel yeah. sad for kids today yeah. who have to deal with social media on a constant basis. Yeah. Because again, back to that mental and emotional health component, it exacerbates yeah. bullying. Right. It exacerbates clickiness. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to having all the worry that comes with school and high school and, um, you know, the teasing and stuff that happens yeah. in person and, and, um, and then having to deal with this whole other level of it that yeah. takes place online, yeah. you know, that's that's a real concern.
1: Um, you know, in a spiritual sense, too, what I find even from my own personal experience is that when we're operating an electronic device, when we're scrolling, when we're cut and pasting, when we're double tapping, you know, we're really just our energy of our neurology is just focused in one area of our brain, probably in the executive functioning area of our brain. And we're doing that throughout the whole day. You know, we're doing that throughout the entire day. And when we are doing things like meditating or singing or we're engaging in our smudge or our ceremony, we're, our, our neural activity is in a different region of our brain. And I believe that when we are, this is, again, I'm speaking outside of the, the, the confines of science, but when we are neurologically having our, our brain to be active in other areas other than that prefrontal cortex, we're also connecting we're, we're, our, our consciousness, I believe is is ascending and we're connecting to that higher source, that great creator. So uh, that's just one thing that, I don't mean to say this in a judgmental way, but people that are just so you know immersed in technology, I just see there's there's a real lack of a spiritual um, regard for that, that aspect mm-hmm. of life. And so I think that the more we're engaged in that, the more we are dimming mm-hmm. that sixth sense. Yep. The sixth sense is our connection to the higher source, to the great creator. And, you know, I think that that's another great reason why we have to limit our device usage and social media usage. So that way we don't become completely just spiritually disconnected, Mm -hmm. you know, already than we already are, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and the final point I would make about mental health is uh, just a concern for our youth. Like for years now, ever since I was a kid, I remember uh, we've seen epidemics of suicide in our communities amongst teenagers. I, I really just don't think that social media helps in any way. Mm. Um, and it it it's an area, again, just of concern. So I think with all of these things in mind, we need to very seriously move forward and take control of our own behavior online and lead as examples for our youth. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, um, hearing my dad and one of his friends talk about Iktomi, which is our, one of our tricksters in Lakota culture is a spider and they were saying, um, the internet, this is in the Hmm. nineties or maybe the early two thousands. I don't remember, but they're saying like the internet is like Iktomi. It has a web, there's a web that connects everybody but it's a trickster because it could be harmful. And even then it was something that our people were discussing and Mm -hmm. that our people were looking out for. And I've heard similar teachings like that from many other nations.
1: Absolutely. Like, like many nations, including the Hopi, I think namely are ones that have prophesized and predicted the internet and none of them to my knowledge, I could be wrong, but none of them, to my knowledge, had had depicted it as something as, as completely negative. I think that they just predicted that it just is. And, you know, as we come upon those times there, we look back at that and we start to, you know, make the changes for, for sure for ourselves as Indigenous peoples.
0: As we mentioned in our book, in the community chapter, we do address this whole topic and We write on one page that uh, when we were, well, it starts by saying that, um, just to summarize that, you know, at, at one point we never could have imagined, um, what the internet and social media would become, but we, even then we knew that there would be consequences. And so we say today we have learned what those consequences are. People around the world, especially youth are absorbed in social media, suffering from bullying feelings of inadequacy and divisiveness. Social media is the antithesis of indigenous values in that it encourages individual individualism, arrogance, conflict and exploitation. It creates false connection and performative persona making rather than a true existence of quiet and humble authenticity. So let's dive into that a Mm -hmm. little bit. What do we mean by that? Social media is the antithesis of indigenous values.
1: Yeah, I think that's a... Man, that's just... When you first said that some time ago, it just... That hits hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you really... You ask yourself, okay, you know, what exactly does that entail? Which we're going to share a little bit about So I want
0: to read you a quote from Luther Standing Bear, who's a Lakota author and philosopher, originally from Rosebud area, who wrote in one of his books um, in the 1800s that praise flattery exaggerated manners and fine high-sounding words were not part of Lakota politeness excessive manners were put down as insincere and the constant talker was considered rude and thoughtless Um, he goes on to say uh, silence was meaningful with the Lakota and his granting a space of silence to the speech maker and his own moment of silence before talking was done in the practice of true politeness and regard for the rule that thought comes before speech. So I've learned a lot about the etiquette and social interactions Mm -hmm. that were once present, not just among the Lakota, but in many tribal nations. And that concept of silence was so Mm. much more valued. There are elders alive today who remember a time when people would really think before Mm -hmm. they speak, Mm -hmm. when conversation really took place with a lot of breaks. Mm. Some of our grandparents still are that way. And it's so refreshing Mm -hmm. to visit with them, to visit with elders who are not absorbed in this fast paced world. Mm You know, one thing around Indian country that I think is still uh, an etiquette piece that even young people carry is we don't interrupt. Mm -hmm. It's so rude to have this boisterous conversation where we're interrupting each other constantly. Right and where we're commenting on everything, even if what we have to say isn't necessarily new or true. or mm-hmm. And that's what social media breeds is this fast-paced thinking, yeah. acting, reacting. It's all a reactive Knee-jerk wheel. reaction. Knee-jerk reactions. And I want to zoom in even on this part where Standing Bear wrote about um, exaggerated manners, not a part. Excessive manners were put down as insincere not a part of Lakota politeness. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, and I think about the Instagram context, I feel really silly because a lot of times, you know, of course we already understand the negative comments and how that impacts us and it feels bad. But even in these cases where we're posting, you know, a a selfie or Mm -hmm. anything, and then we get a whole bunch of oh my god you know pre pray, praying hands and heart i heart i xoxo love you beautiful you know all that stuff that's a bit much mm-hmm. and i think that a, a function i've been using recently is where you can have you can turn comments yeah. off and you're not going to get as much interaction on your post but like i don't know if it's healthy for yeah. us to be expecting or um uh, quite so um So flattering of one another nonstop. I think that's a little bit of an unhealthy uh, social habit that we're in right now.
1: Yeah, it makes me think about, um, we always reference um, Don Miguel Ruiz, the author Mm -hmm. of The Four Agreements. And one of those agreements says, never take anything personal, even if it's a compliment, you know? Yeah. And so I I just, you know, I think of that for sure. That's what that makes me think about, you know? I think that's just um, really uh, profound when we listen to And think about the quotes from our ancestral people and, you know, Standing Bear was living not that long ago, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that when I hear these quotes like this too, it makes me think about, you also read me a story some years ago from the New York Times archives of there was an interview of Sitting Bull and Mm -hmm. the guy would ask him a question and he would sit there and he said, Sitting Bull would sit there for several moments and he would smoke his pipe and think then he would respond,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, <laughs> it's so different than today. Or I think about even to, um, you know, some early historic written accounts of our native people who were observing how the um, how the early forms of American government were operating. And and they were just dis- they were they were um, they were disgusted by that because they said that 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 no one thought about what they their responses that they yelled over each other. They shouted, there was no order. Mm -hmm. There was no order in that. And, you know, they argued and yelled obscenities. You know, there's lots of historic written accounts of native people observing that, you know, of early American Euro American politicians. And so, you know, again, it's just, it's such a contrast and, you know, we've become Mm -hmm. so um, conditioned to operating in that sense because of dominant culture. And like what you said, you know, the knee jerk reactions we see on social media, the, the, you know, the, Uh, polarizing uh, of certain topics that we're seeing on social media. It's just really, you know, become a place for all of these things to be fast tracked and to Mm -hmm. just eventually affect, ultimately affect, you know, our, Mm -hmm. our mind, how we're thinking and, you know, affect how positive we are.
0: Right. So let's break that down and observe and let's be real. Um, Today, when something happens in the news, if you are the first person to get up, get a post up about that and respond to it, and get your snappy quote and the shorter the less thought out the more brash you are yeah. you're rewarded with the algorithm when you um the the more uh <laughs> um sometimes the more explicit we are mm-hmm. the more um which, which again we also know it was not a part of our ancestral values yeah. to use bad language um the more explicit we are we get the reactions um, I, I've, I've observed even a lot of gratuitous, um, sharing of, of, of trauma mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and negative personal experiences, mm-hmm. um, because that gets a lot of interaction as yeah. well. And I think that that's, again, a, you know, there's a part of that, that maybe needs to happen sometimes right. in a certain context, but there's another part of that, that we need to be more careful right. about because what are we showing our youth Right. and are they, you know these young teenagers who are really going through it are they going to feel g- i'm glad yeah. that i didn't have a platform to share my yeah. traumas when i was 14 years old right because it's something that now as a 34 year old mother of two yeah these are things that i want to process in private yeah so let's not teach our our youth right you know to be not careful with their words or with what they're sharing let's teach them to protect their energy to protect their space
1: absolutely and and that really segues into this concept that we like to share with native people is that is that throughout my travels in native country I have observed native communities are either in a state of preservation or revitalization or evolution or sometimes all three of those you know simultaneously but i think that in regards to evolving our indigenous cultural practices and life ways to meet our needs here today mm-hmm. we need to start thinking about and taking action objectively when it comes to how we are in- engaging with social media especially with regard to sharing about traumatic experiences or traumatic things that are happening throughout native country and we do see disclaimers you know what i mean mm-hmm. we certainly do see disclaimers but I always reel things back to a historical context, and some of our knowledge keepers in Salt River have said that you know when a person experienced trauma, they didn't go around and just tell anybody in in the village. They just didn't go around and shout it out and talk to anybody because it was believed that they would be passing on that grief mm-hmm. to that person. Today we know that is vicarious trauma, and there's a lot of evidence behind that. Instead, they set one-on-one with the Makai medicine person to help mm-hmm. process their grief or the trauma, whatever they experienced or what was done to them, because that person knew how to dissipate. And it's very much the same as how people today will go and they'll sit down and they have, you know, uh, a psychologist, you know, they have a therapist, you know, and or a medicine person, a medicine still. person mm-hmm. still, you know, we still uh, operate in that way as well. But what that does is that makes me think about how to how we need to really carry that over and transfer that same process into the virtual world meaning that maybe it's not a good idea to take to facebook and to tell everybody you know about one side of a story or tell everybody about your traumatic event maybe it's best that you that you keep that and, and find the correct people who are going to give you the proper advice and guidance and healing strategies to help heal that. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we take to social media and we don't receive any solution mm-hmm. and yet. We receive other people that may, you know, mm-hmm. um, if even ultimately exacerbate what we're going through and mm-hmm. people giving, you know, misinformation and horrible advice, right. you know, that really transforms, um, mm-hmm. And also to, you know, speaking back to being more calculated and concise and calm and being more, I guess you would say, um, you know, healthy, uh, healthy conflict resolution based is when we see things on Instagram or social media that we, you know, we contend with. Maybe we need to sit and process that and think we need maybe we need to think before we go on and to be contentious and and start polarizing you know this situation maybe we need to know all the perspectives before we do that because right we've seen this Mm -hmm. in native country where you know native people we have enough to worry about as it is but yet we still manage to take to social media and the virtual world to slander one another and to perpetuate uh, lateral oppression and some people will say lateral violence virtual lateral oppression virtual lateral violence and you know, if our whole movement today, if Native people are supposed to be about decolonization and about re-indigenization and healing, we need to really look at mm-hmm. how we are behaving on social media. Is social media the place for us to sort out our 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 grievances with other people in the community? You know, mm-hmm. maybe not, you know, because yeah. like you said, the youth are watching it, you know?
0: Yeah. Don't be a hater. <laughs> for real. Um, so, um, I want to talk to shift the conversation a little bit about productivity, because mm-hmm. even aside from, you know, um, everything else, um, our ability to work quickly and to think clearly is impacted by the more time we spend in front of a screen. Yeah. There's a computer scientist professor uh, named Cal Newport who wrote a book called Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World. He also, he wrote another book called World Without Email, Reimagining Work in an Age of Communication Overload. So these are big topics all, all around the world. People are grappling with this. And a quote that I like from him is he says, when it comes to devices and apps in your personal life, you're in trouble if you haven't developed a policy. So in other words, it's important to start with a positive vision of how you want to spend your time online and then work backward to figure out how to deploy technology or refrain from deploying technology to support that vision. So at this point in the conversation, we're going to start talking about solutions because we've already given you so much info and helped you to think about and process all of the mm. harms of social media. Well, let's talk about how we can reel it in and control mm-hmm. it and use it as more of a tool than a weapon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, if you let me, I'll vent all day mm-hmm. <laughs> on all these things, you know, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, Josh what does that mean to you? Like to support, like Cal Newport says, supporting that vision of your um relationship to social media. Um what does it mean to have a vision or a purpose for your social media use?
1: Yeah, I'm great you found that. And I'm, you know, it's awesome that he so eloquently stated, you know, that's kind of the things that I, I do. Um, like I always say that anytime we're engaging in something and we're doing something, we must have a, a mission. You know, what's the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. What is your vision? How are you going to carry this new task out or this new hobby or this new endeavor? it's so important, all aspects of our life. You know, we were talking about that the other day, like we have a mission for our marriage, you know, and we have a vision of how we carry that out. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with social media. And, you know, of course, when I first got on social media back in 2003, I wasn't thinking about this, but as I realized later on, as I grew with it, I seen it was a very much, a, a, a very big part of my life and a very big part of of me building my brand and career. And I I realized I need a mission with this. Like, what's my purpose? You know, what's my purpose of being on social media? It's very much like when I started doing photography, I had a purpose, I had a mission statement and a vision statement on my website. And that's really sort of my my approach today with social media is that, you know, my whole mission of being on social media is to connect with other like-minded people, is to connect with other people in native country and to use it as a way to share what little I know about um, indigenous health and wellness, indigenous life ways, and what that looks like today in a modern sense. And the vision of that is sharing that through pictures, through videos, through stories. And I have a whole set of, you know, protocols and teachings that I try to follow associated with that. That'll talk about that a little later. But I think everyone who loves social media and loves, you know, their digital devices should ask themselves What's my mission for engaging in this? Mm-hmm. And what is my vision? How, how will I do this? And it keeps us on track. It keeps us from just being mindlessly involved with something with no sort of goal in the end, you know?
0: right are we spending our time in a worthwhile sense in a way that feels fulfilling to us and it can be for entertainment it can be for um simple communication like it doesn't have to be like for Sasha and i how it's connected to our work you know we all have our own reasons you all have your own vision yeah and let's just be sure that we're all as individuals clear about that what that is for us so that we know we're not just mindlessly on there um and you know, scrolling in a way that's not productive at all for our time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. My sister is a clinical psychologist and she has absolutely no, use, like she's not yeah. entertained by social media. She doesn't use it for her work. Yeah. She, um, she has observed that it feels um, kind of, uh, uh, it just gives her a bad feeling to mm. like scroll through Facebook and like all that kind of stuff. So she's fully not on it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I respect that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so That's why she's com- always cool and calm. <laughs> she's chill, you know, <laughs> she's also a psychologist, you know? So like she really knows how to regulate, she's, you know, really smart with, yeah. uh, you know, her mental health and, mm-hmm. and knowing how to address all that stuff. But, um, I admire that mm-hmm. and. I'll tell you for sure. My I have a long t- as I, as much as I have a, a an immediate vision for why I use yeah. my platforms right now. I also have a long term vision, right. and my long term goal is I think in line with Dosh, in that I don't want to be on it at all. At some yeah. point, I want to be. I am not gonna follow the trajectory of um, where technology is going because it's evolving very quickly. It's turning to the metaverse. It's turning into this stuff that's going to keep us even more addicted and more absorbed. And I want the opposite of that. So the way I see it right now is I'm basically at the peak or the apex of my social media use. And I'm going to decline and move away from that because I want to practice what I preach in wellness. And I believe that for me, a life as a grandparent, as an elder, um, is is a life without without with very very limited technology use.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Chelsea and I we talk about that all the time that when we when we're older, you know, we just don't envision ourselves being so connected and participating in, you know, this augmented virtual virtual reality that is mm-hmm. predicted as being the next phase of the internet in the metaverse. You know, we certainly don't see ourselves a part of that. We feel that all of our work here and now It's supposed to better connect us to the community. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to better connect us to the land, and we should be spending those later years, um, you know, being being connected to those things. We spent all of our youth talking about these things, and Mm -hmm. we really need to be living it, you know, Mm at this time. And Mm -hmm. I feel that today, even we're, we're, we're inside a lot because we have to, of course, work and we have to engage, Mm -hmm. you know, with these devices and social media and such, but that's certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, our plan at some point, we're not quite sure when, right. But we are planning this exodus from, from social media, especially after we get a a couple more books under our belt, (laughs) maybe, but the book has been great, right. Because it's able to cement our, our contribution to the growing wellness movement in native mm-hmm. country. I oh, think right.
0: That. It's all part of the process. Yeah. Now that we have a book written, we, we, it's one step closer toward not, toward mm-hmm. relying less on everything that goes online. Right. So that's, that's a, that's a big, I, I feel really grateful for that.
1: And, and, you know, think about how relevant will some of these platforms be mm-hmm. and the information that you're putting on there, the content that you're putting up mm-hmm. on your social media platform, how long will that be accessible how long will that be, mm-hmm. you know, relevant? Can your children or future, you know, classroom students in two or three decades reference that? Say you have something educational to post about the time. Will that be accessible 30 years down the line? Mm-hmm. Or will it just be lost in the abyss of, of social media content? You know what I mean? In this, or will it be, you know, the servers no longer be, you know, uh, functioning from, you know, say Instagram or TikTok? And it's just lost content. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think about that. What are we putting our energy into, Mm -hmm. you know, content creation? If it's only going to be relevant for someone, you know,
0: that week, Mm -hmm. that day, you know, how, 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 I think it's just something to really think about in the long run. So let's keep going step by step about what, how we limit and control our own social media use as people who do use it right Mm -hmm. now. And one thing for me is that I refrain from joining every trend, every new app or, um, or or whatever else is the hot button topic yeah. with social. So I never got Snapchat, I never got TikTok. Uh all I've heard from everybody is how much more entertaining and more addicting TikTok is than Instagram. <laughs> and
1: it's another world. And I
0: really don't like that whole vibe of TikTok brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm just avoiding it. And that's my personal choice for my for my health and for my wellness. I don't want to be addicted to yet another app. So, um, is it tempting sometimes? Am I curious? Yes. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. I refrain. And I've also stated, I'm never, you will never catch me with one of those virtual reality headsets on my head. Mm -mm. Curiosity killed the cat, man. Like, Mm -mm. I don't want to be a part of that world. I'm not even going to dabble in it. Like I already made that decision for myself.
1: Absolutely. Um, having the boundaries, that's what this section of the podcast is all about. Setting healthy boundaries with the electronic devices. And with social media, and I'm right there with you in, in that I limit which platforms I engage with. You know, we have a YouTube. We're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, starting to transition transition to doing more long form, you mm-hmm. know, content on that and less small bits and pieces of things like social media, like reels, you know what I mean, on Instagram. So, you know, we I have that. Um, I have a LinkedIn. You know what I mean? I rarely get on it, though. I jump on there once in a while. And there's some people that are trying to connect with us professionally. Facebook I only keep Facebook because it's really a certain demographic you know mm-hmm. what I mean that still participates in Facebook like if yeah. you're in the res and you're, yeah if you're on the res and you're above 50 it seems like you know, that that's mostly what I see. So I go on there because that's really how I'm able to connect with mm. people in, in my community and around native country, the native homeless right.
0: people, you know, they're all like seniors oh, yeah. and elders. <laughs> and that's where teamwork has actually, yeah. um, fit in with, with Dash and I, because I actually like that he's on Facebook, um, that he still has an account there so that he can reach our, 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 our older mm. audience yeah. and stay in touch there kind of on our behalf, right. I personally deleted Facebook. Again, so it's not just about preventing new apps, but it's also delete the ones Boundaries. that aren't serving you anymore. Yeah. Um, observe how your emotions are when you're interacting with these apps. Yeah. Years ago, I deleted Facebook completely because, um, and this is when it was still popular in our yeah. age group, because I was being bullied, stalked. Um, I was just, wasn't seeing anything productive information no. that I found useful to my life and I just got rid of it. So sometimes yeah. you got to do that.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I you know I think that was good considering how that story was and how it was affecting your well-being that she just got rid of it. You know, it's a solution mm-hmm. for sure. And you know the one that I interact with most of course is Instagram and that's you know I got on that in 2012. Um, but again like tiktok now i started an account and i attempted to try to get on there and do some stuff for us but man it's another world it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming it's massive i just feel like you can just get enveloped by it and swallowed up and never Mm -hmm. come out like that's what it seems like to me it's a Mm -hmm. whole other style of like content creation even Mm -hmm. it's so different than what's on instagram and i'm like i'm not sure i want to dive into this Mm -hmm. you know this sort of this content creation where you're taking something really complicated and you're trying to dilute it down to just a few points Mm -hmm. in 30 seconds to 60 to 90 seconds. And, you know, I find myself even doing that now with some of my Instagram reels and I find out, you know, that it's challenging. So Mm -hmm. it's certainly, you know, I I certainly would recommend to everybody limit the ones that you engage with. You know, Mm -hmm. I barely have enough time to keep up with the Instagram ones. So I can't, for me, I can't really, I don't have any other time mm-hmm. and any other mental and emotional capacity to try mm-hmm. to manage and take on another platform, especially like, you know, mm-hmm. like like TikTok, Twitter. No, I can't. I can't get on that, mm-hmm. man. It's just all too much. I have my boundary. I keep it Instagram and I encourage everyone else mm-hmm. to keep those boundaries, too. to one, one or two platforms, whatever's doable for you.
0: And again, tying that back into like the difference between an ancestral yeah. context, our societies before uh, the Western world infiltrated was you let people speak, you let everybody speak, you let people Mm. speak for as long as they needed to speak. And, um, nothing was digested or minimized in a way that, um, was, uh, minimizing of the issue or, um, and that's the opposite, honestly, of what platforms like TikTok are doing where you have to make it Snappy and short; otherwise, people don't have the attention span. We're literally yeah. destroying our own attention spans. Right. Now, all that said, I'm not saying everybody needs to refrain no. from things like TikTok. Right. I'm just saying for me, right, that's what I personally don't want in my life. Right.
1: And there's a lot of influencers that you know are experiencing you know a lot of success with that, and that's fine, that's good too. Mm-hmm. But we also know from just friends in our inner circle who have major followings that it can get difficult to manage that. You know,
0: the energy does impact them to a degree.
1: And so another great practice that you could adopt if you haven't already is social media fasts and fasting, as we know, in a lot of different contexts and in our cultures has been has been a thing. And, you know, social media is no different. And I've done a couple of social media fasts and I do like miniature ones, like versions of it. But. I encourage you to do that. Put it away for however long you think is manageable. You know, four, four days, start easy, five days, two a week. And then one thing that I'm going to be working at is a whole 30-day, you know, a whole 30-day fast of social media. But what I did experience when taking the social media fast is I just experienced more calmness. I was present. That's what I really experienced most of. I was present with you, uh, with the girls. And, you know, because even, even when you are are not directly or literally on your phone engaging with social media. Sometimes your brain, your mind is still there. Oh, yeah. Your mind is still there thinking about something you saw. Maybe there's a negative interaction you have with somebody and it's affecting your mood and you're supposed to be present with your your spouse or your children Mm -hmm. or your coworkers or your friends. And you're not really present. You know what I mean? You're kind of just in your mind. That's kind of what I experienced, um, you know, Mm -hmm. cutting it out and limiting the social media and having that fast was was um I was on my phone of course less too. So it's not really just a social media fast, but it's sort of like a device fasting, you know, and that's one way to reground ourselves, to reduce anxiety, to reduce stress, Mm -hmm. and reduce the need to just get on and mindlessly scroll and double Mm -hmm. tap. Right. So I would highly recommend that everyone Mm -hmm. um try a social media fast or a device fast, you know.
0: Absolutely. Some people do it every week, yep. like they'll have a ritual on Friday, the phones, the devices are yeah. off and they won't get back on it till Monday. And I think right. stuff like that is really wise right. because, again, back to Cal Newport in terms of how it relates to productivity, He another quote of his, he says, we need downtime from our high energy processing state or we'll lose insight into ourselves and become anxious. When we're alone with our own thoughts is when we can make sense of mm-hmm. information we're taking in. Right. So you literally need downtime from emails, from screens, from everything yeah. in order to actually process. Process, absolutely. Um, just to, uh, kind of, I, I, yeah. I liken it to sleep. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always tell students, don't pull in all night or get out. It's, it's less productive than if you study a few hours and get a, a night of rest, mm-hmm. because you need to synthesize that information in your sleep. Mm-hmm. You, you need the same thing for muscle building. So it's like that. We need these breaks right. from these screens, from this high processing right. state in order to, um, to actually think.
1: Yes. And that's another practice and protocol you can have with your devices and your social media is have your hours in which you operate. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are helpful for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've, it's been a while, too, that I've been following where I make a habit of not jumping on social media right away. That's not the first thing that, you know, I, I am on and, you know, I'll get up. Usually it's around five, five thirty. I have coffee and I, I let the morning light in to come into my eyes to help wake me up. And um, some days I meditate, I should meditate every day, but someday I don't. But what I do is I'll, I, I will sit and calmly and I will sip coffee and I will envision the day and I will envision what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I try to envision to myself, you know, how will I respond to things today? And, and can I be better? And can I be more patient? Can I be better at responding to things right here? And and I I think about those things before I jump on social media. So when I do jump on it, it's if I have a post, if I have a post, I want to hurry up and post it and get it out of the way. You know what I mean? For the day. Um, And then so, but I have my, my days where I'm not posting. I'm just trying to limit it down to about three to four posts a week. And, and then when I'm not posting, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make a habit of getting on and checking all the Mm -hmm. time. And then I have my hours you know, before the kids, right? You can share about this too. Before the kids, I was much better at at avoiding usage of the devices and engaging in social media after a certain hour. But now, you know, once we put the kids to bed, you know, the nighttime, and a lot of parents know this, that's when you kind of get up and you start kind of right. doing some things, you do some housekeeping. And that's kind of when I get on to like respond to some comments. Right. You because know?
0: your priority is not using the device around right. them. Right, So, yeah. Whereas it used to be your priority right. was not using it at night. Right. But now it's like night's the only time you have.
1: Night's the only time you can really get on yes. for a little bit. And even then I try to limit it. I try not to be on it past like 9, 45, mm-hmm. 10. You know, I try not to do that. Sometimes I do, you know, but I really try not to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because when we're at home, when the girls are at school, I just don't have the time. I don't feel productive just mm-hmm. sitting on social media and just scrolling and, and engaging. Like we're busy, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing stuff every day, all day. We're moving around doing something, mm-hmm. Right.
0: And my thing, since I wake up at the same time as the kids, like I'm usually woken, I'm woken up about six thirty by Weston because we sleep together. Um, I don't use email, text, or social media, or play Wordle. which is my favorite activity until after we've dropped the kids off at daycare and we've already gotten back home basically no screen time until after so my attention is fully on getting the kids ready for the day and being present with them eating breakfast together getting them dressed reading them books all that Mm -hmm. we do all that as quick as we can before we get them out the door in the morning and i find that it's better for me too because oh and another thing we'll do like right away in the morning sometimes is we'll get out and take our little walk around the block. Even if it's just a short walk around the block, we notice that makes a big difference with yeah. our kids' mood and energy and with our own. Mm-hmm. And we'll, Or we'll do um, like little workouts with them in the garage, which you've probably seen on yeah. social <laughs> doing that, which yeah. is super cute and they love it.
1: And I, I think something for people to think about too, when they are getting on social media, like first thing in the morning, I, th- what I feel like when I used to do that is I'm telling myself, I'm more interested in what's happening in the lives of other people than i am my own self
0: i remember you saying that a long time ago that's right
1: and it's like it's mm-hmm. it's you're just you're putting yourself and your daily goals on the back burner because you're more interested in what's happening in the lives of other people mm-hmm. you know i think that we have to really turn inward and say well what am i going to do for myself today mm-hmm. how am i going to go forward with this day today you know how can i utilize my teachings and values to you know make sure that and ensure that this day is going to be productive mm-hmm. in that sense
0: another good way of thinking about it too is like i said so many of us are talking about screen time limits for our kids and at what age should they be allowed with different devices well meanwhile we're not applying any of those rules or guidelines for ourselves mm. so let's be really real and honest with ourselves and let's remember that we are Leading by example is a much more powerful teacher than preaching. You have to practice what you preach with your kids, with your teenagers, with your babies. The less you're on these things, the less likely your kids are going to be addicted.
1: Yeah. And I think something too, I'd like to encourage people to think about before you comment, and we talked a lot about earlier about these Mm -hmm. knee-jerk responses I think there's some simple values that we could ask ourselves and follow before we start commenting and posting things. Mm -hmm. And number one, is the comment or response we're about to make true? Is it true? Is this comment productive that we're about to make? And is it necessary? Mm -hmm. Is it true? Is it productive? Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. Granted, there are certain things that need to be commented on that, may not be you know positive response such as when we have to address racism on our social media or sexism you know ignorance sometimes we have to you know compromise those but for all other I think purposes of posting and commenting I I would encourage people to ask themselves those things is it true is it necessary to Mm -hmm. say this and is it productive is it constructive criticism to say this because we just see so much you know negativity and it just builds and snowballs from there and it just Mm -hmm. you know creates this breeding ground for just negativity and i don't know i don't want to see that i don't want to engage in that Mm -hmm. forever either
0: yeah absolutely um i have a policy that i've followed for years which is even if i see something that i don't like or that i disagree with i simply don't comment on it there's going to be enough other people disliking and disagreeing with it and I don't feel the need. It's not a strong enough urge for me to like, let somebody know how I feel. Like I really don't find that productive at all. It's probably not going to be well received on the other end yeah. and just let it go. If I dislike that person that much, yeah. I can unfollow them. So don't act like we don't have control over our own space right. or the energy that we're giving to other people. And remember that what you give, you're going to get back to. So, I mean, do you want to be a person that is, um, uh, distributing and followed by controversy and conflict at all times or do you want to be a person who kind of like avoids that where you can and you know unfortunately there are times in our life where we have to where we absolutely have to address conflict because there's no other choice yeah and so let's reserve that for being a rare occasion rather than something day to day because that's going to impact our health
1: yes and something else that people can add to their morning routine i forgot to mention this earlier is when you're waking up is is Practice and work on evaluating your mood, right? Mm-hmm. Evaluate how do I feel today? Am I feeling anxious about the day? Am I not feeling particularly mm. excited about the task today? Or do I feel motivated? Do I feel creative? You know, evaluate how you're feeling. And I think that from there, you can determine is today a day that I'm going to be on social media? If I'm feeling, you know, the latter, if I'm feeling excited, I'm feeling creative and motivated, maybe I can make a post today. Maybe I can engage. I'm in a good mood. You know, maybe my posts will be productive. Maybe they're necessary and true. But, you know, some days you wake up and you're just dreading the day. You know you're dealing with grief, something happening in the community and family. Maybe it's a day you're not on social media because you never know. You might scroll and you're just seeing something that's going to upset you and exacerbate your anxiety or anger even mm-hmm. more. You know, and so I encourage people too to practice um, self-regulation, practice mood regulation, and, and think about how you feel today. And mm-hmm. if you're feeling down, if it's a feeling like a tough day, maybe that's a day where you get outside. You get outside, you get away from the devices, get that sunshine on you or get that fresh air on you and get out to the land there. Take a swift walk, take your exercise outside, take the dog for a longer walk. You know, go do something that's going to help you, um, not something that's going to exacerbate how, however you're feeling, you know, by being in front of this blue light emitting device and being sedentary. You know, mm-hmm. we need to move. If we're having grief, we need to move. And, and, and movement is, is part of our one of our, our medicines to help ourselves heal
0: Mm hmm. And um, that's a really helpful tip for me as a person who experiences anxiety frequently. And um, and, and another aspect where that applies is the workplace. Yeah. So I'll give you a personal experience is I had a corporate copywriting gig a couple years ago where they were expecting me to reply to emails mm. at. 9 p.m. on Saturday morning. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, a campaign that took place over a couple of weeks and they were expecting 24-7. If I wasn't responding, they were getting after me. Well, in a follow-up, um, different campaign that I worked on with the same company, I told them that I didn't <laughs> have a good experience with that. And I said, I, yes, I'd love to work with you again, but these are my boundaries and these are my limits for hours. And ever since then, they've respected that. Mm. So remember this, this applies for everything in your life. You teach people how to treat you. Ah, you yeah. teach people how to treat you. If you don't draw your own boundaries, nobody is going to give you the boundaries that you want. Mm. And so this is just one context where that's really true and where that really applies. So in the professional space, in the workplace, you know, um, draw those boundaries, let people know where when you're available and when you're not. You make that clear, people are going to respect that.
1: Right. And then you you also talk about, you know, being objective about a person going to visit with people, you know, mm-hmm. and spend those time like making it a point to go in and in, and in foster those in-person relationships and putting away the devices and not yes. being on social media. So talk, how's that?
0: Yeah, go visiting. Man, yeah. when I was a kid, especially on the res, that's what we did. You go pop in on people, your grandma, your aunties. Yeah. And shoot, we don't do that. I mean, we, yeah. we, we try to do that with our kids nowadays. We get so yeah. busy with everything. Yeah. But that is so important because it's all about fostering these in-person connections. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're on social media because we want to connect. Well, you have to connect in person as well. And it mm-hmm. does take more effort. Even pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really different thing when you call somebody and you have a conversation with them. And I love to call, talk to my mom on the phone, talk to my sisters. Mm-hmm. Even though we're on our group chat all the time, it's always different and mm-hmm. it's more of a connection mm-hmm. when I call them. So Especially go visiting. Yes, go visiting, <laughs> call people, yeah. you know, pick up the phone, old school. These are wellness practices. Yeah, absolutely. There's exercise, there's yeah. eating right. There's visiting, you know,
1: (laughs) in-person relationship, you know, that's one of our circles to wellness is connection to community. And what that what that entails is, first and foremost, is connection with your family, your immediate family, the people that are in your circle, your sacred circle, people that you love, people who how you treat yourself affects them. You know, those are the people that we should be objectively and mindfully fostering relationships in person and these are teachings mm-hmm. that even myself, I have to, I have to work at, you mm-hmm. know, I find myself being, being, you know, content with just texting somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I really appreciate it when someone tells me, you know, over text or over the phone, they say, yeah, there's something I'd like to talk to you about in person. You know, it's not, uh, something we can talk about over the phone, or over text. And, you know, that social media is the same, is the same way. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's things that Are reserved only for in-person interactions Mm -hmm. many things are regarded as sacred that stay off of that or they stay out of the devices Mm -hmm. and you know
0: and then another one we've talked about this before on the food podcast and stuff but um and i i will say one thing we've been really really good at ever since the beginning of our relationship we don't have phones on or devices on while we eat. Yeah. It's a very rare occasion where we do like, for example, if we're watching an MMA fight and the whole point is like, let's order pizza. Yeah. Let's watch MMA. Like, because that's like, yeah.
1: And we're like, oh, we need to be on the email. We need to see what. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like certain very special circumstances will break that rule, or, you know, bend that rule. But for the most part, nightly dinner time, mm-hmm. breakfast with the kids, all that stuff, we no phones on the yeah. table, no devices on the table. Definitely date night, going out right. to dinner with each other or going out to lunch with each other. Um, even if we've been with each other all day, which we kind of always right. are, we still <laughs> show each other that respect yeah. of, um, because it. you eat so often, you eat every day. That's the one thing you can count on. I hope you're eating every day. <laughs> you... Um, it's a it's a it's a designated time where you can assure yourself that you're having a real good interaction eye contact conversation with your loved one with your partner with your children with whomever else you're around or even with yourself yeah and i follow that rule like last week um i uh went and did my personal training session on the res with uh with my trainer dion or two weeks ago and then right after that dosh was uh he was busy he was he was driving and I really wanted uh, sushi lunch. So I took myself out to eat just like I used to do in my old days living in New York. City. I took myself out to eat nice little sushi lunch and I had my phone away the mm-hmm. whole time. I was just people watching. I was looking around and, um, you know, you got to be you got to yeah. be comfortable with yourself, with your own thoughts. And so even follow that rule and show yourself that respect sometimes.
1: You know, and it's also, uh, you know, showing respect in regard to the food you know, the food, how, how did it get from, you know, the field or the farm to your table, examine the flavors, Take a moment to give thanks, even if it's within your mind and your consciousness as you're eating mindfully or giving thanks for that food there. That's something you can you can certainly participate in in, on a daily basis. And again, that's a a good way to foster healthy relationship with devices and social media. And those changes are happening in the brain, too. And we are spending time being mindful of of our, our actions and we're doing it in a meaningful way. That's healing and that's creating lots of lots more a stress reduction for sure. And there's a lot of evidence behind that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's another ancestral value that we like to apply, which we know that our people did not follow or Mm -hmm. worship prophets. Yeah. That's a Western concept, the worshiping of human prophets. Yeah. And And um, the concept
1: of one. In one and one only, the end all, person all. who yeah.
0: had godlike status. We yeah. never did that. We no. always recognized our own uh, humanity, our our humbleness. And today, with the social media world, there's so much of this following. Yeah, even that language, following. Well. Think of yourself rather as having community as opposed mm-hmm. to having a mm-hmm. following or mm-hmm. being a follower. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't take everything that a person says at face value, even if you're a fan in general of their work. Always be a critical thinker. Always think for yourself mm-hmm. and um, be original, be creative, be a uh, again, a thought leader, not a follower.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage everyone, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you emotionally invest in. And it's, it's just, we see so much of that on social media where there, where there are people who are extremists and they're zealots and, you know, their whole ideology and worldview is, is just based off of, of one aspect, you know, their entire identity is a is is based off of a political ideology, mm-hmm. you know, a social political ideology. And then we just see it turned into this really extreme type of of toxic and hateful rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And you know, I encourage people, watch out who you follow, watch out for whose ego that you you choose to help boost, you know, and mm-hmm. again, like what she says, like in you know, in our culture, for me as an indigenous person and an indigenous man, it's the concept of following somebody allowing that person in their ideology to become a part of your entire identity and to wearing their 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 name on you and just representing them and you never even met them you mm-hmm. don't know them these concepts are just foreign to mm-hmm. us as native people we have historic figures in in our in you know in our history that we talk about and but our mm-hmm. people didn't worship them the people didn't praise them in the same way that we see in western culture and like western religion or western politics Mm -hmm. so you know for i encourage native people don't take on that same persona too when you get into the virtual world follow people and respect you respect people and you honor them just like we do in person in our communities but we don't follow them to the point where we are doing everything they say and we're taking on their entire persona you know leaders were put up by the people In communities in historic times and still today as well native country still follows that leaders are put up by the people because the people recognizes that that person has leadership qualities they know how to lead people they know how to pull out the the positive in people they know how to communicate you know they know how to to demonstrate how to do something so the people put them up but on social media you see people who are Mm -hmm. self-proclaimed self-proclaimed leaders self-proclaimed you know fitness enthusiasts or self-proclaimed doctors and it's just this space where it's so much misinformation and, and, and toxic rhetoric can be spewed with no accountability, right? Mm-hmm. There's no one there to hold them accountable. So, you know, I encourage everyone, be careful who you follow and take these things that they have to share with a grain of salt and be critical of all perspectives. Even us, be critical of the things that we say and we share and learn to think for yourself, learn to Get other perspectives and put them together and develop your own conclusion Mm -hmm. as to how you're going to take a stance on a certain Mm -hmm. topic or
0: practice. And with that being said, don't hate somebody because they think a little bit differently than you or because or even because they think very differently from you. You know, we have to have individuality in this world. We have to have balance. We can't all expect each other To be the same person, the same voice, and if you didn't say it just this right way. You know, I had somebody DMing me one time. I can't believe you follow so-and-so because they're this way. And I thought I respected you, but I guess I was wrong. You're a you know. And I thought, you know what? And and I I I really I took the time to reply to them and I said, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a really dangerous world when you're yeah. making assumptions about my character just because of a person I'm following on social yeah. media. Yeah. How do you know the reason I'm right. following them? Or if, if it was even something that I really put that much thought yeah. into, you know, chances are it's right. not. And so I am um, I take pride in the fact that I can sit across from somebody who has a very different political worldview from me and I can have a, a decent conversation mm-hmm. with them and I can find how I relate to them. Mm -hmm. I can find my, I can find their humanity. I'm not trying to say everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to say you don't have boundaries, but it's just, let's get back to this balance. And that's another thing that social media takes us away from Mm -hmm. because everything is through a screen. Mm -hmm. It really takes away from our ability to be human with each other. And nine times out of 10, if this is a person that you hate online, you never know you could bump into them at the grocery store and you have a perfectly pleasant interaction. So don't try to hate everybody. Like don't put that pressure on yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And understand that every situation requires a nuanced perspective to Mm -hmm. really understand what's happening on social media. And that's really also the biggest problem about it is that it's a limiting platform, say Instagram, for instance, you know, it's limiting in the sense of time, you know, who it's going to reach. Um, You know, sometimes we don't have the capacity to give the full context. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, there's this whole swarm of army of people that are in contention with one aspect, you know, of something being expressed. And it completely lacks nuance and understanding that there may be more to the story. The author of this post probably just didn't have the time and
0: Mm -hmm. capacity
1: to give you the full the full rundown. Mm (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all had that experience of being sort of attacked because, but you didn't say this. But what about that? You know. And um, I'm trying to think of an example. I remember years ago when I had Facebook. I think I said something along the lines. Oh, I I shared a, a quote from Vine Deloria about, um, he, uh, you know, how uh, how many more American Indian people have received. Uh, higher education yeah. and he was sort of commending that over the decades. Right. And then somebody jumps on, well, that's not the only kind of education. And what about ancestral knowledge? Right. And I'm yo, like I didn't say all yeah. this other stuff wasn't important. Yeah, I, I fully a hundred percent believe that higher education isn't the only way to be intelligent or, you know, that, right. that higher education has flaws too. Right. But I'm just sharing this quote from Vine Deloria about a little yeah. bit of progress that we made in one area. Cool. You know, like, yeah.
1: Um, Again, a complete lack <laughs> of, of nuance and understanding and a lack of context mm-hmm. for the larger picture. You're simply zooming in on one mm-hmm. aspect of this this very large, complex, multi-layered topic.
0: Right. And you don't always have time to right. talk about every single thing. So that's kind of one of those things that's what we're talking about. Is like, um, you know, be easy on right. each other. Yeah. and don't assume ignorance on other people either. Yeah, I always like to approach, I think this is a part of our wellness, approach other people that they have hmm. something to teach you and also that there's more to what they're saying or more yeah. to what they know than what they've already shown yeah. you. And, um, and And let's not jump down each other's throats so quickly.
1: And if you are somebody who is a digital leader, and does have a following and you are contemplating on whether your engagement with social media or your following or community is something that's not really contributing to your health and wellness, I think it's important to ask ourselves, if we were to remove social media completely from our life here and now, ask ourselves, will we still have community? Will I still have a purpose? And will I still have a role within a community to carry out that purpose? What accomplishments would I have had? What sort of real meaningful changes would I have been able to make, you know, in this community and the world around me? Mm -hmm. I think that those are so critical because we oftentimes, you know, people mistake real leadership for, you know, virtual digital leadership, Mm -hmm. especially in native country. We've seen native people be put up on a pedestal for their looks or because maybe they're in a movie or they're in a magazine or something like that, and people will listen to them. People will take their, you know, opinions for truth. You know, we've seen Native people do that in, in, in a really negative way. So, you know, I encourage everyone to to ask yourselves that, you know what I mean? Or even hold others accountable for that. What are you doing in your community? What are you doing for the people around you? You know what I mean? In in your work? And is it is it leading to, you know, real meaningful change?
0: I would say that my final gripe about social media in general and about the digital landscape is this issue of uh, regurgitation of thought and um, the 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 way that viral storylines or viral topics of discussion just get repeated, thoughts get repeated. Um, people start to copy each other, whether they realize they're doing it or not. And I think that we live a much more fulfilled and enriched life when we can be original. We can be original in our in our thought, in our experience, in um, the way that we express ourselves. Dash and I talk about this all the time. Where even when we were um, when we were growing up, like in the '90s, even early 2000s, there was like all these subcultures, and there was this like alternative ways of thinking and being that you weren't necessarily. By no means, actually, were you praised for being different? Like, were you, you really, um, people were just, were bold and were original. And
1: And it was was different from region to region in a lot
0: of things. And you're not really seeing that anymore. Like, um, things get regurgitated and just go through this wheel of repeatedness And it's like everybody wants to post about what's the popular thing to post about that day. So when I see that kind of stuff, that's what I kind of try to refrain from. And one of the things I'm really proud of with uh, the way that we have presented our work is that it was an original thought from the beginning in terms of the way that we were to brand ourselves, the way that we were to share information. The
1: models we created.
0: And um, I want everybody to visualize and to do this in your real life is instead of scrolling social for inspiration, go to a library. Yeah. Scroll, walk through the aisles and pick out random books and read things and go to museums. See some art that you may not even necessarily be interested in, but that you just want to be exposed to something different. You know, you can have your mind changed. You mm-hmm. could have. Um, a new perspective brought to your attention. You mold yourself that way. Read books, watch films. Um, go, again, that concept of go visiting, go to community, have random, put your phone away and have conversations with random people who you run into. And that's how you really enrich yeah. your life. It's not going to be by scrolling. It's not. Right.
1: And understand, you know, that that social media that the network you have it's a direct response to the content that you're putting out there it's a hybrid extension of your real world social network and your fantasy world it's a hybrid of those that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing and realizing and because of that we must pay special attention to how we're contributing to that but above all put your well-being in person in the real world mm-hmm above the one that you are per- portraying over the virtual, in, in the virtual world. I think that that's so important for us to do that. And as always, we must have a vision, mm-hmm. have a vision for yourself, your family, your participation in the world or community. How do you see yourself? In is social media helping you to become closer to that, to more connected mm-hmm. to the world, more connected to the natural world, or is it pulling you away and hindering that? That's something for us to question for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So taking it back to our concept, the seven circles that we write about in our book, you know, these are all the different ways that we can live a good and balanced life, just as our people once demonstrated so profoundly. And it involves so many different things that Mm -hmm. social media and the digital world tends to take us away from. Mm -hmm. So to end on a positive note, get back to these, Mm -hmm. move your body, get out on the land, spend time outdoors, be with community in person. Talk to people. Um, go to ceremony or ha- you know meditate. Have your your personal ceremony and mm. ritual you do at home. Um, uh, take care of your the space around you, your sacred mm-hmm. space. Decorate mindfully. Clean up. Um, get good rest. You know we know that blue mm-hmm. light interferes with our sleep. So um, be mindful of the way that that might be happening for you, and try to get better sleep. Mm-hmm. And finally, be be mindful, present, and grateful with your food. So Mm -hmm. those are the seven circles, and I think those are the ways that we can be aware of how um, social media might be impacting all of those. And just get in control of your relationship to the digital space Mm -hmm. once again. If you guys want to meet us in person, we will be having events at the launch of our book on October 25th. We will be at Changing Hands Bookstore in downtown Phoenix. So look out for details on that, which we will be sharing soon. And on October 27th, a couple days later, we're going to go over to Portland and we will have an event moderated by Sam McCracken, who is the founder of Nike N7. He's going to be moderating our other book launch event at, uh, what is that bookstore called? Powell's. Powell's bookstore. Right there in downtown Portland. Downtown Portland, which is supposedly a pretty iconic place. It
1: is. It is, so we're looking forward to that. And so that's for all mm-hmm. of you that have been asking about in-person events and book signing events. And there are other major cities that we are planning throughout the country mm-hmm. and in Canada as well, so stay tuned for those and just uh, keep in the loop for that, for sure. And thanks for your interest in, in wanting to get the book signed and engage with us in person. We really look forward to that. We wanna get back to being in person once again.
0: And finally, we wanna hear your thoughts about this episode, so um, shoot us an email. Uh, you know, write to us, call us however you want. (laughs) Or send a smoke signal if you want to stay
1: off social media. Yeah,
0: we'll be looking out for that.